0: The first reading can be found on page 186 in the Pew Bibles, or you can follow the words on the screen if you wish. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, commencing at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith to as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. The second reading and we found the page 116 of the pew bibles and again you can follow the words on the screen chapter 13 commencing uh, verse 31 when he had gone out jesus said now the son of man has been glorified and god has been glorified in him Just as I have loved you, so also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank
1: you, Maurice. Shall we pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, will you speak to us now once again more of you and follow you more closely to love like you through and in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Were you all here last Sunday? Yep, some of you were. Do you remember what it's all about last Sunday? Oh, minds go blank. What is it all about last Sunday? We started looking. Well, Ian took us through Galatians chapter five, verse uh, verse twenty-two. What's Galatians five, verse twenty-two all about? Yes, the fruit of the spirit. Well done. The fruit of the spirit, and we were talking. And the whole of the fruit of the spirit is it's one fruit. Let's all remind ourselves of that. It's one fruit made up of a number of segments. How many segments are there in the fruit of the Spirit? Nine. Yes, there are nine. Do you know what they are? Can you take me through with them? Come on, who would like to have a go? Should we have a go together? Come on, let's see how we do. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not bad. Getting there. Remember them. We're going to look at them over the next few weeks. We're going to look at them one at a time. So get familiar with them more and more. Do you know, we should, all of us, be mightily aware of all nine. And we should be checking to see if the whole fruit Yes, the whole fruit. If every segment is there in our individual lives, is it growing? Is it, uh, is it working? Is it there? I know it's the work of the Holy Spirit to, uh, you know, to produce the fruit, as it were, to get it going, to get new. But we can enable the growth of that fruit when we fertilise the soil, as it were, with prayer, and we have that desire to receive and to live. The fruitful life. Well, today we're going to look at the first of those segments uh, and we're going to look at love. All right, you all heard that one? Love, okay? Go away from here this morning. Love, love, love being sort of ringing through you the whole time. Okay, we're focusing on the 1 Corinthians uh, 13 reading. Are you familiar with that, that part of the Bible, chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Corinthians? You know, chapters 12 and chapter 14 uh, is dealing very much with the, the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, uh, in fact, e- equips uh, the, uh, the, the church uh, in, in its uh, total ministry of reaching out to people so that each person within the, the, the church uh, will have a particular gift and will exercise that gift. And so we, we talk, he talks about those gifts in chapter 12 and he talks about the gifts in, in chapter 14. But he then, in between, in many ways, chapter 12 and chapter 14 are like the bread in a sandwich. And in chapter 13, he puts in the filling And that filling is love. And you'll see how uh, he goes on to explain that the love is so, so important when we're exercising the gifts. We'll talk about about that later. But at the end of chapter 12, he says, as we exercise love, as we practice love, as love is at work in our lives, this is the more excellent way of doing things. This is the way that is the best of all. This is the way that is beyond comparison. This is the way that the Christian life should be lived. It's interesting that way back in, in, the, in his letter to the church in Corinth, uh, Paul has already emphasized love when he says that that faith expresses itself through love. Did you pick that up? Faith expresses itself through love and how we are to serve one another in love. See, the church, Christians are called to be people who practice love. The church is called to be a community that practices love. Oh, no, we won't love in our own strength. We love, does the Bible tell us? We love because God first loved us. And, you know, as we're drawn into that love of God, we are remade by that love, and we're gifted with that love so that we can become lovers, agape lovers. Come on, chapter 13. In the opening three verses of of that chapter, Paul powerfully, really powerfully underlines how love needs to motivate our words, our thoughts, our deeds. Otherwise, he says, have you really taken it in? Otherwise, he says, without love, we're nothing more than noisy gongs or clanging cymbals. And we offend We offend as we do that, no doubt, because we're more concerned about ourselves than we are about others. And he goes on to say, without love, we are nothing. Wow. Without love, we are nothing. We may feel we're getting results and achieving success, but without love, there's virtually nothing of lasting value. And then thirdly, he says, without love, we gain nothing. Without love, we gain nothing. You see, sadly, our loveless actions are motivated by self-interest and not by the interest of others. No, we gain nothing. Then he goes on in those following verses to give us a picture of the nature of love. It's interesting how love becomes, in that passage, the subject of 16 verbs in a row. There are 16 points that he makes. We see it there how love is a busy, active thing and how a loving person behaves in a certain way or uh, doesn't do certain things. Why? Because of the love of God in him or in her. Come on, we're going to look quickly at what he homes in on. And as we do this, do try to forget about everybody else around you. So easy, isn't it, when we see what he says about love to say, oh, I wish so-and-so would get on with that. You know, don't do that. Just think about yourself. Where do I fit in? Where am I in all of this? You know, love is what God is. God is all that is described in verses 4 to 7. And you and I, Maturing until we attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What Paul tells us, we'll be on. We're on that road of maturing to the fullness of Christ. We should constantly be looking at ourselves against this blueprint of love. Let's get going. First one, love is patient and love is kind. Love is patient and love is kind. Are you patient? Am I patient? How patient am I? Patient when circumstances are irksome or distressing. Patient with the the slow-witted. Don't seem to understand. Patient in that nose-to-tail traffic jam. Never seems we'll get there. Patient in praying and waiting and watching and pining for someone to meet with Jesus. Patient? What's the opposite? It's impatience, isn't it? And impatience is self-centred. It's all about me. And it's never about others. Oh, I know it's so easy to love the lovable and to be patient with them. but It's much harder to love them when they injure or attack. But love patiently bears with the wrongs or the hurts and positively acts in deeds of kindness. It was Mother Teresa, wasn't it, who said, be the living expression of God's kindness to everyone. Give them not only your care, but also give them your heart. That's the beginning. Love is patient and love is kind. Then he goes on with the negatives. He says, love isn't envious. Do you watch television? Do you read the newspapers? Do you read the magazines? What are they all telling us? They're all persistently persuading us to, to have more and more, to want more and more, to crave for more and more. Oh, you need to have a bigger house. You need to have more clothes. You need to have a faster car. You need to have a longer luxury holiday. And it's so easy, isn't it? When we can't have them, when we don't go down that road, that we can grow discontented and even become envious of those who have all these things. No, no, no. Never let envy damage you. you must never let envy damage me because love isn't jealous. Love isn't envious. No, love is pleased for others to receive blessings. And love is content with the gifts we already have and not envious of others' gifts. And love isn't boastful. Love isn't arrogant. You know, God graciously gives each one of us gifts, personality, gifts of ability, whatever. And he wants us to use those gifts well. He doesn't want us to fall into the trap trap of pride. You know, when our God-given gifts um, may earn praise, somebody may say, thank you. Somebody may say, well done. Oh, come on. Let's take encouragement from that. But remember to give all the praise and glory to him, to God (coughs) who gives us those gifts. Boasting invariably points to inward feelings of superiority. And boasting is an outward display of self-importance. Pride, I know, sort of tends to start up here and then it reveals itself in arrogance. But love, by contrast, just wants to promote God and wants and never self. What did Paul say at the beginning of that letter to Corinthians? Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And love isn't rude. Psychiatrists, psychologists. What's the difference, psychiatrists and psychologists? I'm a bit vague on that one. They contend that people may be rude when they feel either insecure or lonely or unloved or undervalued. And this tends to make them aggressive and uncaring about the well-being of others. And, you know, they become rude. And rudeness can be... Impertinence, or it can be insolence, it can be that offensive remark or an insult, it may be simply a cutting remark or an unkind word. But such things crush people, those things crush people and they leave them with painful memories. But rudeness and love can't really coexist. For love is not rude. Oh Lord, Lord, more love, more of your love, so that we don't ever tread that rudeness path. And love doesn't insist on its own way. Love is not self-seeking. Does my world revolve around me? Does your world revolve around you? Or does it revolve around God and his purposes for me, for you? You know, let's never ever put ourselves on the throne. The Holy Spirit, I believe, has that constant task to turn us away from any self-centred ways and for God to be our focus and the source of all our joy. We should never be demanding our own way, we should never be wanting what pleases us. This is what I want, what pleases me. No! We should be seeking never seeking the welfare of self but always looking to others. True love wants your way Lord. True love wants your will, not mine. And true love always seeks the good of others, not of self. And love is not irritable. Love is not easily angered. You know, not being irritable, interestingly, follows hard on the tail, doesn't it, of love is not self-seeking. We can appreciate that when we look to serve others and for God's will in our lives, then we shall fall prey less frequently to self-assertive anger. If we're truly agape-loving people, if we truly are like that, we'll not be easily angered. Though there may be times when what I would call righteous anger may well up within us. But you know, when that sort of righteous anger does come, let it be productive in the building of God's kingdom. And love is not resentful. I'm interested that the, uh, the Bible version we're using now uses the word resentful there. The NIV has the phrase, love keeps no record of wrongs, which in many ways sums that up uh, very precisely, I believe. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, there's a devastating truth embedded in that, isn't there? For love is at the heart of forgiveness. In love, we have that power... To set people free rather than to hold them in bondage. Let's never hold on to any resentment. Don't hold on to any bitterness. Don't hold on to any grudge. We are to forgive. We are to let go. We are to drop. We are to cancel any debt. And you know, as we let go of any incidents or wrongs or hurts with that forgiveness it just removes from memory and it wipes the record clean and in so doing as we receive God's cleansing we receive over and over again and over above his love for that person or those people who may have hurt or wronged us and love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth You know, love should never, ever be glad when others get involved in evil or wrong of any kind. It's interesting that this last month, I was talking with a man who's been badly let down by someone. Ah, he'll pay for it someday, he added, and I look forward to the day when he gets his comeuppance and suffers. No. 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 Love should never delight when wrong appears to triumph. Love delights when people are walking in the truth. And we must never fall into that trap of rejoicing in the murky or the sordid, but always rejoice in what is good and true. Like Jesus, we're to promote all that is good and true and wholesome. And then in that last verse, verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You are four for the price of one in that verse. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things and love endures all things. You know, through Christ's love in us, we can bear up under anything. We can believe, and we can have that faith, and continue in hope, and have the power to endure. All of this through Christ's love in us. You know, love's not a human quality. It's the gift of God himself. You know, in the varied circumstances and relationships of our daily lives, it's only his love, his love in us, which will enable us to bear, to believe, to hope, and to endure, to persevere, to keep going. Yes, God is love. God is love. And you know, God is chiselling out in us the image of his son, Jesus. We're an unfinished product. I know, I certainly am. He's at work in us to make us more like Jesus so that we can love like him. God's love will never fail it will never fall, it will never falter his love is eternal it will never end and we are to love like him to love like him inclusively indiscriminately universally unreservedly and look how that gospel reading ended what did he say? He said, love one another. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we are again, love, love, love. Practicing love all the time. And do note, I've, I've, I, it really hit me hard. Do note the evangelistic power of love. What does it say there? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How are you doing? Could you put your name in front in place of the word love in all those phrases? because if love's at work in your life and in mine then we can replace the word love with our own name Brian is patient Brian is kind Brian is not envious Brian is not Brian is Brian is can I put your name honestly and truthfully in in front of that that's what love is that's what we ought to be. Should we pray? Oh holy Spirit of God, Spirit of our living God. We pray that you will fill each one of us with more of yourself, and you'll cause your fruit to ripen in our lives. We pray especially for that fruit of love to grow, to be developed, and to be practiced day by day. In Jesus' name. Amen.